Solar mode is the solar mode Yo. And you're all alone in the solar mode And you miss your group Yo. or you had some kids Yo. But you bought some games, why did you buy those games? It's the solo mode, it's the solo mode And you're all alone in the solo mode And your group is gone or you had some kids But you bought those games, why did you buy those games? Why did you buy all of those games? Hello and welcome to episode 6 of Solo Mode this is not your typical episode of the Game Brain Podcast, a board game podcast about our gaming group with the usual hosts of myself, Matthew Robinson, Thomas Donnelly, Ben Mandelker, and Trey Elsup, and all of the lovely other co-hosts we have. No, this is not that. This is solo mode. This is where we talk about single-player games, solitaire games, solo games, games that have modes for solos, single people, or married people who don't play games with their... Okay. We are talking about solo modes here today, and it's been a minute since I've done a solo mode episode, but this is a very, this is a monumental, monumental, monumental solo mode episode because I, I have played the greatest solo mode ever, ever created in my humble opinion. And I'm going to talk to you about it today. There's also some pretty amazing solo games that have come out recently. I'm going to be covering the trick-taking solo game for Northwood. I'm going to be covering... The American Presidency, a.k.a. Mr. President, a.k.a. the most insane, ridiculously fiddly solo game ever made by GMT. I'm also going to be talking to you about the latest solo mode I've played, which is the brand new David Turksey solo mode for uh, Castles of Burgundy Special Edition, which has kind of blown my mind. But let's just slow down for a second. This is just me, just chatting with you about my favorite solo modes, things I've played recently. Uh, we're not going to get into all the games I played recently, which have been a lot less than I wish they were, hence solo mode. Uh, but uh, let me give you a little lay of the land. It's the day before 4th of July in America. And well, I guess anywhere, but we only celebrated here for the most part. The day before 4th of July, it's a holiday weekend. I've got a couple hours to do what I want to do. So I've laid out some solo modes, played a couple solo games, did a little bit of work. Tomorrow was a holiday, thought I'd record this episode while I had the chance, and been really reflecting on this incredible solo mode that I've played over the last like couple of months that's kind of become my go-to solo mode, I'm excited to tell you about it today. I'm going to keep the mystery of what this game is for as long as I can, and let's talk about some other things before we get into it. Um, let's start, well, we all know that I've been pretty obsessed with trick-taking games lately, uh, we did a whole episode about it recently. And before I get into this, let me just say, please subscribe to the Trick Talkers podcast, not Takers, Talkers, Trick Talkers podcast, uh, because I believe this week it is, well, July 3rd today, uh, this week, a episode of Trick Talkers with me, myself, and I as a guest uh, will be talking all about Trick Takers on there. So go ahead and subscribe. You'll get a lot of me this week, potentially, but you'll mostly be getting... Uh, the lovely Ryan and Patrick on the Trick Talkers podcast who were lovely enough to have me, and I had a great time talking with them. So please go ahead, while you're on this podcast device you're listening to this one on, type in Trick Talkers, hit subscribe, and enjoy. Let's keep with the Trick Talkers, though, Trick Takers Talkers, and talk about For Northwood, which is a solo trick-taking game. That is right. A trick-taking game designed only for one, does not have a solo mode, is the solo mode. This is a trick-taking game designed by Wilhelm Sue, artwork by Wilhelm Sue. Um, 
And it is, uh, let me, so let me break it down for you. So it is a must follow trick taker. Uh, I believe there are four suits from one to eight. And before you play, you lay out, uh, numbered cards from zero to eight, I believe. And they have a certain amount of point values on them. And the number on the card from zero to eight, from zero to what is it? Seven, zero to seven. There's eight cards is how many tricks you need to win to conquer that fiefdom. I believe they call them fiefdoms. Um, and then you randomly take a whole bunch of character cards. So this is what makes the game interesting. It's not just, you know, a, a basic, uh, poker deck with, uh, four suits from one to eight. There are also, I believe 24 character cards, and these are rule-breaking cards that also have one of the four suits printed on them. And you're going to randomly, in the uh, advanced game, not in the beginner game, you're going to randomly assign cards to um, your allies, of which there are four, and then the sort of uh, rulers of each of these seven fiefdoms. You are then going to draw a hand of eight cards, and you're going to decide which fiefdom you want to negotiate which with. They, uh, they refer to the trick-taking as believe conversations or, or diplomacy or whatever it is you are thematically talking with these rulers and trying to sway them to joining your cause, your cause being, you know, for Northwood to have them join your faction to fight something. Uh, so in order to do that, you have to win the exact amount of tricks. That is the number on their fiefdom. So zero meaning win zero tricks, seven meaning win seven tricks and everything in between. If you uh, accomplish this exactly, no wiggle room, you get a certain amount of points. So the zero and the seven, I believe, are four points each. The one and the six are three, and then all the way down to just one point in the middle. When you defeat them, though, you get the ruler on that fiefdom. Fiefdom? Fiefdom? Hoofdom? Uh, and you, one time in the game, can replace one of your four allies with that ally to sort of get their superpower. So, excuse me, each of these allies has some sort of awesome rule-breaking power, like draw eight new cards or ditch a whole suit or switch the ruler of the fiefdom you're playing with. Um, all these rulers also set trump. So whatever suit is on the, uh, the, the person's card is trump while you're playing them. Um, and so there's 24 uh, of the characters. You're playing with, I think, 12 of them every round. Uh, or 11 of them, something like that. 11 or 12 of them every round. So there's a, quite a bit of variability. And it is a fun puzzle. It is a puzzle, though. Um, many solo games are puzzles, uh, efficiency puzzles with a bunch of randomization worked in. And this is definitely a puzzle. I'm not usually like a huge puzzle solo mode guy, um, but I do enjoy Trick Takers and I enjoyed this one. Now, I played it a couple times, played it three or four times. I have found it a little easy. There are ways of ramping it up, but I have found that, I don't know, maybe I've gotten lucky, but it does feel like you can, uh, there's a lot of ways of mitigating um, the amount of tricks you take. Uh, my first game I played, uh, I got a perfect score. This is not a brag. I'm just, uh, I, I did, that was the intermediate. From then on, I got pretty close to perfect scores. I won't say that I'm like jonesing to go back to it over and over again, but it is, it is it's a cool design. It's a cool design. You can get it on Amazon. It's like 14 bucks or 15 bucks. I don't know why I rounded it down to 14. Um, it's something around that. Um, it is a beautiful box. Plastic cards, uh, not my favorite thing, um, mainly because you cannot put a handful of plastic cards into my hand without all of them going flying everywhere, which they, of course, did the minute I took it out of the box because I feel like there should be a warning when there's plastic cards. Like, 
really hold tight to these, it should say, on the box. But um, they all went flying. Some of them um, fell actually into my trash can because I was standing over the trash, uh, taking the cellophane off of the thing, and um, you're now getting a picture of my clumsiness. Um, and the cards went in the trash, pulled them out. It's fine. Luckily, there wasn't like soup in the trash. Uh, thank God it's hot here because otherwise, not that I'd be eating a lot of soup, but it might be in my trash. And then, uh, yeah, not a big fan of the plastic cards, but the game's fun. It's cool. It's small. It's the size of a deck of cards for the most part. You can throw it in your bag, play it by yourself at a coffee shop, and I don't know, have somebody walk up to you and go, what are you doing? Um, and uh, start a conversation about trick takers. So that's for Northwood by Will Sue. Beautiful box. Cool game. I'm really not poo-pooing it. I'm just not like a puzzle solo guy so much. And this feels like a puzzle. It feels like, you know, there's luck involved, of course, because deck of cards, drawing cards. Um, but it did feel like, okay, I have to figure out the best way. To, okay, so first all, you know, you draw your hand of eight cards and it kind of decides sort of who you're going to attack. So it's like, well, I got a lot of high cards here. So I'll go for one of the sevens or the sixes unless I've already done them, in which case I go for a five. In which case, I've already done that one. In which case, maybe I already messed up because I should have done some of the low ones and high ones first when I could. And so you're sort, you do find yourself forced into situations you don't want to be in, which is kind of fun. But then, unless you get a really bad draw of characters, I, fi- I find there's usually a cool way out of it, which is cool. It's cool. That does it makes you feel like it's a fun puzzle to solve. It's just not necessarily my favorite style of trick taking. I think what you'll see because most of the trick takers are like are long and procedural. Procedural is a word we're going to be using a lot today talking about solo modes. Um, that's for Northwood. Let's talk about the next trick taker on our dock today, which is Mr. President. Okay. So admittedly, I have not played an entire game of Mr. President because admittedly an entire game of Mr. President lasts about a year of your life, I believe, because, um, that's, it took me a long time to get through one stage of the first year of the game. Um, so let's, what is Mr. President? So Mr. President is a huge box from GMT games, typically war game producers, sometimes 18 XXs, sometimes euros. And this is a labor of love from one of the, uh, well, I believe the founder of GMT games. And, uh, is he still the CEO? He might, he might be, he might, he's definitely a big head honcho over there. But uh, Gene Billingsley, I believe. Why, why am I now? Yes, Gene Billingsley. Um, so uh, I, I had been following this for a while. I had pre-ordered P500, as they call it, this game. Wow. I don't know. Five years ago? I believe it's been on P500 for at least that, maybe seven years. I, so he's been developing this for seven to ten years. Um, definitely a labor of love. And this is the presidential simulator, the American presidential simulator, specifically the American president from 2001 to 2020. So if you're wondering why it's called Mr. President, um, it's because you didn't vote for Hillary Clinton. Uh, otherwise, it would be called president, hopefully. Um, it's a little, a little, you know, it's a choice to call it Mr. President. Maybe not a choice I would have gone with, but I guess it's been justified by the fact that it has dates on the box in which there was sadly no male president. Um, So yeah, you are specifically playing through the years 2001 through 2020, which clearly is, you know, 
post 9-11 and um, all of the, the fun that America got up to in that period of time, all the, all the good times we've had, <laughs> just a trip down the old memory lane of good old American times of awfulness and uh, some, some great presidents and uh, some horrible presidents. And it's up for you to decide which ones you think are which, because the game really takes no political slant. Um, you can play as Trump and like go through the insurrection. So that's fun. You could be Obama. You can be, uh, one of the, a couple of bushes, a barrel of bushes. You can be all the bushes. Uh, you know, it's, um, okay. But that, that, that's, if you want to get into the scenarios, the main game is this giant sandbox, uh, campaign, which lasts over at least four years. Often, if you win re-election, it will go to eight years. And a year is a long list of things you do on a specific turn chart, a turn sequence, if you will, of which there is an entire book that comes with this box. So let me, let me take a step back. When you open the box, you are greeted by one, two, three, four, 427 rule books. And, uh, most of them are charts that you, that you are told to grab and look things up. So sort of like a giant complicated choose your own adventure. You are going to be told to now, now you have a, a conflict with, now it is Russia's turn to take an action. Please, uh, turn to page blah, blah, blah in the Russia manual and follow along here. So you get a lot of those books and I'm talking a lot. Like it's, it's cool. It is. And it is cool. It, uh, it instantly would my, for some people would be faced with fear, annoyance, terror at looking at all this, but you don't have to learn a lot here. It really is just a large collection of charts. Um, that are all in these large little booklets, large, little, um, we'll stick with that large little booklets and you have a pile of them. Then you've got two huge mounted boards, um, about five feet long, not an exaggeration. So if you have a card table, you're not playing this game. If you have a giant dining room table, you are not using your giant dining room table because first of all, you're going to take up the whole thing playing this game. It's going to take you a minimum of an hour to set it up. It took me two hours the first time I set it up. That's not an exaggeration. It took me two hours to set up the game. I had to learn how to do that. So I think I could probably cut that time in half, but it is not fast. There is a million counters, which is the other thing you're going to see when you open the box is a billion counters. So get some GMT counter trays uh, and get to work. Uh, you're going to need a lot of cups because there's a lot of chit drawing if you are old school war gamer, you'll be familiar with chit drawing. If you are uh, under the age of 75, chit drawing is uh, a bunch of chits in a cup and you're often asked to pick one out. Um, old school war gaming at its finest. And so chits, rule books, and about five to six feet of mounted cardboard. That's what you're getting in the box. So what is the game? Because I had forgot I P500 this. Well, not that I necessarily forgot, but I like, no, I forgot. It is sort of was off my radar because I, I did back this probably five, six, seven years ago. 
um, because it just sounded cool. It was, I, you know, jeans, I knew it was a, love, a labor of love. I've read some of the diary entries. It clearly was, um, you know, a, 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 a monumental work in the solo arena of which I have a, an occasional podcast. So I figured I should probably uh, check that out. So um, even though this was before the podcast started, but big board game guy, me, you know. Uh, so game showed up, kind of forgot that it existed and it looked crazy intimidating. Um, it, I mean, just, just imagine six feet of table and a billion counters and, you know, 437 rule books. But to my surprise, not that complicated. I, um, I watched a video to sort of lay some of the groundwork, but I, no shade thrown, but I found the video, um, not at all helpful. Uh, it was, uh, well, it doesn't matter who it's from, right? I just said it's not helpful. No need to throw shade, but there was a video online in which they attempted to teach it and I didn't feel that it really taught me anything. So I just started reading the rule book and you find there's a little rule book that comes with, it's like learn to play and it's like two pages long. And you're like, well, that must, they must punt the real rules somewhere else. And they do a little bit, but for the most part, this is a procedural board game. And what does that mean? It means you don't have to memorize everything because you just follow a giant chart and, or a turn sequence, and it tells you what to do from moment to moment. So if you've ever played a coin automa, uh, in which you have a large fold out four page procedural thing that says, you know, 1.1, um, flip card and, you know, read the action. Then if it says this, follow these tiebreakers, A, B, C, D, on and on and on and on. Now expand that to 437 rule books and you're getting kind of close to what this is. So do you enjoy following along as a sort of a printed DM, a, a dungeon master, if you will, guides you through the turns and asks you to make choices? Yes, I do, is what I said to Mr. Rulebook as I started reading him. I very much like the, the immersive storytelling that comes with a procedural board game. Now, what's fun about a procedural board game is it's more complicated than you would, you would ever be able to ingest completely, at least in the first four or five or six games you play. I imagine at some point maybe years from now, after I've played this game many, many times, I could maybe get through most of a turn of uh, Mr. President without looking at the rule book more than a dozen times, maybe. Um, now, you're still going to have to check things up in charts. You're not going like, to memorize every possible thing Russia or China can do. You're not going to fully ingest all of the millions of permutations and options and chaos pulls and weird checks you're going to be making throughout the game. But for the most part, yeah, I can imagine that I could sort of know what to expect and, and form a strategy. Now I would imagine, well, I don't have to imagine for me, at least the first time I played this. And again, I've only gone through one year. This is not a review. I've gone through one year uh, and I was just setting up the game, but and one year of the game of which there are at least four, often eight, if you win re-election. And um, that took like six hours, plus the two hours setting it up. 
Um, and I, there was obviously no strategy because I, I had no clue what was coming next. It was like reading a novel. I, I don't know. But in the moment, I really enjoyed making tactical decisions or just making LARPy decisions, story-based decisions. Um, so let me, let me just talk you through a little bit of this. So you, you could Google, if you want a visual of this, but Mr. President turn sequence, and you'll see that it is, I mean, it looks like the controls to fly an airplane. Um, there is just a billion little rows and words and buttons and numbers and charts and you take your little current U.S. action marker and you go down one row, one column, sorry, and then you go up to the next column and you go down it and you do that over and over again until you get to the end of a year. Um, and uh, that will take you a long time. So, for example, you, uh, you know, if uh, you, you, it tells you to take a couple of actions, one for each of your cabinet members. Well, before, before the game begins, there's a whole setup, which is really fun, actually, and really cool. So you are drawing, you're pulling random chits out of a cup to find your vice president who you don't get a choice about, which is funny because the game starts on the first day of your presidency. So you didn't get to choose your vice president. You already won the election with that person. So you choose your random vice president. These are not real people. So there's not, uh, you know, Dick Cheney in the cup or something. Um, so you are pulling random people out of the cup to be your vice president. And then you get choices on your, uh, uh, your, 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 your treasury secretary and your, uh, you know, department of defense head and God, what are the other things? Um, your, your main, your, your chief of staff, things like that. And, you're, and they have stats on them. So like diplomacy, military, uh, domestic, I think those are the three stats and you know, you want clearly you want your, you know, defense department person to be better at military and you want your chief of staff to be good at, Oh, actually, I don't remember. Is it diplomatic or is it maybe maybe it's uh, domestic? But either way, you're picking your cabinet. Then you're picking some attributes of your own president, things you're good at, things that you as a president are good at. And, you're, and those are going to come out randomly, but they're really cool. And they give you you know a lot of dice modifiers or DMs as you're going to get used to reading a million times while you play this game. And you are then going to pick... You're going to pull out random chits to see all of the public policies and bills and things that the public is interested in. So gun reform or, uh, well, there's not like abortion rights on there, is there? No, uh, gun reform and the budget and new jobs and all these different things that the public may be interested. And then you get to decide what things you want your cabinet or your, uh, your government to focus on. And, you know, the game, the game gives you some, uh, some suggestions and, you know, it says, you know, if this is your first game, pick the things the public wants, you know, for the most part in the same order that they prioritize them and things will work out better for you if you do that. But you can LARP it. And you also, you know, like I said, the game really takes no political stance, which you may find to be uh, a political stance in and of itself. But, you know, it's not like it says... It you know it says you know gun God what is the word I don't think it doesn't even say gun reform I think it says gun control or something so you know whatever side of the aisle you fall on in there you can your brain can tell you it's fighting for your side I guess or or the other side you can do whatever you want but yeah the, the game sort of takes no stances um, which as I said is maybe a stance in and of itself um, but uh, yeah so they're all very you know quote unquote non triggering. Um, and, but you know, you still, you know, I'm like, well, I want my country to 
do this on guns. And I, you know, so you can sort of LARP it a little bit and get into it that way, which is cool. You definitely start feeling like you are making choices, but also worrying like, whoa, this doesn't have public support. It's going to be really hard to get bills passed and yada, yada, yada. Okay. So you go through all the setup and then you actually start the game. Um, and, uh, so the first round of U.S. special activations is mostly things that only happen in the second year, uh, like the State of the Union, which you actually have to give the State of the Union, things like that. And then you start activation phase one, which is where the meat of the game starts. And you find out if China or Russia will go first. And then they're like their own AI players. So like they they have a whole book in in and of itself to, to each uh, place, each country. And they then go through their own giant uh, sequence of events that just the first time I did the Russia turn, that took me an hour just to get through Russia's turn. That might sound like a nightmare to some people, but it's actually fun just seeing how the levers work and seeing how the game works. And it really holds your hand. Like you don't need to learn much other than the very basics of the game. And some of the basics of the game, it's sort of as simple as if you ever are asked to re-roll a die, you can spend one action point to re-roll again. Okay, you ingest that rule. Cool. So next time I roll a die, if I don't like what I rolled, I can spend an action point. Oh, but you know, you're going to be rolling the die a couple hundred times and you have 20 action points. So, you know, you quickly see that that's an important resource and uh, also very swingy and lucky. Um, there are ways of, uh, changing your, um, your modifiers also by spending action points and spending other resources and things. So there's a handful of just like basic rules that the game teaches you at first. And then as long as you know, those, you just sort of start following the charts and the sequence and it tells you what to do. And it is in, in essence, like a really super complicated choose your own adventure with stats and, uh, you know, a lot of dice modifiers and a lot of dice rolling. And the dice rolling is often based on, um, you know, looking at a chart and seeing like, okay, so my, uh, relations with the middle East are, you know, at this number. And if I roll lower than that, something good will happen. If I roll higher than that, I turn to the book of bad things and see what bad things happen. And then slowly the game starts telling a story. And giving you, for the most part, giant obstacles that you have to deal with that you don't want to deal with. Because what you want to be dealing with are the things that are going to help you win. And the game at the very beginning of the game tells you very clearly, you win the game domestically and you lose the game internationally. So all the victory points in the game, and the game is is, is not just a never-ending uh, sandbox. It does have an end. At the most, it'll be eight years. Um there are many auto losses, instant auto losses that can happen if, you know, certain countries get the ability to make nukes, the game ends. If certain countries go to war with each other, the game ends. If your, you know, your uh, public approval rating drops to a certain point, the game ends. There's a million things where the game can automatically end and you don't have to memorize any of them. Every time one of those could happen in the book, there's a place where it says, did you just lose? But you get victory points by doing things domestically, such as for the most part, passing bills. So the things that the public wants to happen, the things that your administration has chosen to focus on, you get victory points for doing the very tough task of passing legislature, passing bills, signing bills um, that are good for your party 
and things the public wants. And that's for the most part how you get victory points. There's obviously a handful of other ways to get victory points there. But you automatically lose the game in many things that happen globally. So there's a fun balance of, well, I know what I want to do to get victory points. And at the end of the game, you can literally check your stats against actual presidents. And I think Lincoln is the perfect score if you get as many possible victory points as you can, blah, blah, blah. Again, hey, no political judgments made here anywhere, right, guys? Uh, but you um, you get victory points for doing things domestically. And if you ignore the global uh, state of affairs for too long, one of those auto losses is going to creep up on you. And that at its essence, is Mr. President. This is not a review. I have uh, just scratched the surface, almost literally, because there is a lot of stuff going on in this game. But I'm fascinated. It's really cool. Um, I think when IP 500 it, it was like 50 bucks. It's now like 100 bucks. Um, it's a big ask uh, for uh, your space. A, the box is big. B, it takes up an entire living room, massive table where you will probably be leaving it for days, if not weeks at a time, that in and of itself, deal breaker for a lot of people. One interesting thing, which maybe I could sell you on, or I don't really need to sell anybody on anything. I don't care. But if, uh, if you really wanted to try this game and had no space, um, GMT has an approved tabletop simulator mod for it. Um, an official mod for it. That is totally solid and nicely done. Now, you can't just play it for free, at least not legally, and I don't, I don't recommend nor would I uh, want you to play it illegally, um, but the main reason you can't play it is because you need these 500 charts that come with the game in order to do anything. Um, is it worth spending $100 to buy all the books and charts to play the game? Maybe. Is this the holy grail of solo games? Is this the greatest solo game ever made? Is this the the gloom haven of solo games, the only solo game you've ever need, you'll ever need. Maybe it might be, I don't know. It's super cool. It's definitely easily the most interesting thing in the solo space this year, at least in terms of mechanics, uh, in terms of ambition and in terms of innovation. Um, it's wild. It's huge. It's brand new. It's, I've never played anything like it before. Um, unless you, you know, have played, you know, crazy long, 1970s Avalon Hill war games that, you know, have a dictionary the size of, I mean, a rule book the size of a dictionary with them. I mean, then maybe you sort of know what this is, but this is also has a lot of modern design in it too. So it, it's not, it doesn't feel old. It feels old school, but it doesn't feel old. It doesn't feel dated. It doesn't, there's, doesn't feel like there's cobwebs on this design. It feels really cool and innovative and, and daring even pretty wild. So if you wanted to buy the game, but knew, know for a fact that you won't be able to play it physically for many physical restraints that many people would have. Like, just can't set this up on my dining room table for two weeks at a time. I, I have an office with a table that I play at, and I even have a hard time setting this up because we have a game night once a week, and I don't know if I'll ever get a game done in a week. Um, so you could buy the game and play it exclusively on Tabletop Simulator. Um, and what you've purchased is the right to play the game and all of the charts and books that come with it. Um, so something to think about. Totally legal way to play the game. You still have to buy a copy, though. These books are not available online as PDFs. Uh, you won't be able to go to GMT's website and download them all because 
they want you to buy them as they should because they made it and they put a lot of work into it. So that's all I'm going to say on Mr. President for right now. Obviously very interesting. I have a lot of thoughts on it. Going to keep playing it. I'm sure at some point I'll do a whole other episode about it, but that's all we got on it today. Um, all right. We've talked about for Northwood. We've talked about Mr. President. Before we get into the greatest solo mode I've ever played, and yes, I'm going to keep on stringing out the mystery here, uh, let's talk about Castles of Burgundy Special Edition. Okay, Castles of Burgundy Special Edition is really impressive. I am not a deluxified guy for the most part, especially of games that already exist. Usually disappointed by them, usually find them to be bloated, um, usually find they come with a ridiculous amount of miniatures that nobody asked for, at least not me specifically, usually find that it just triples the size of the box and it's the same game in it. All of those things are true about Castles of Burgundy Special Edition. Comes with useless, stupid miniatures. The box is literally five times the size of the original box. It has, it's made by, uh, Awaken Realms, I think, the, the company who makes like miniature games like Nemesis and stuff. Everything about this is a red flag for me. But I'm so happy I backed it because it is awesome and it's actually the best special edition I've ever seen of a game. Why? Because it makes it so much faster and easier to play one of my favorite games. I love Castles of Burgundy. Is it a game I pull out all the time? No, it's a little light for our group for the most part and we also have played it a billion times. Is it a game I love to play with non-gamers? Absolutely. Is it a game that I love to play with gamers every once in a while? Absolutely. Is it a game I will ever not have in my collection? Absolutely not. I will always have Castle of Burgundy. It's easily a 9.5, maybe a 10 to me. It might be a 10 now with the special edition because this genuinely does what I want out of a special edition. It makes it beautiful. I do care about components. I don't need them, but I do like them as long as they're better. Um, and the components here are fantastic and they mostly just make play easier and faster. I'm not exaggerating when I can say, when I say I can set up a four player game of castles of Burgundy in five minutes with the way this box is organized. It is so efficient and so easy. I did not get the extra ridiculous. I mean, sorry to judge. I'm not judging you. If you bought them and you love them, God bless you. To me, they felt ridiculous the terrain miniatures that replace every tile in the game. I did not even get the acrylic markers, which I'm sure are clicky and satisfying and beautiful, but I liked that the regular ones have all of the rules for the yellow tiles and the building tiles on the back of the tiles. That's really useful to me. I think it actually speeds up play, especially for newer players. But even for me, I, I still am often like, what building is that? Is that the one that lets me place boats for free or blah, blah, blah. Really like that they're all just there. I can just flip them over, look at the back, see what it does. It just does everything right that I want a special edition to do. But we're talking about the solo mode today. So it comes with a brand new solo mode. Comes with two new things, I think. One is a, a, a new big expansion called Vineyards. or Yep, Vineyards, that's right. Um, which I haven't tried yet, which looks really cool and doesn't seem to add a lot, but seems like it makes some interesting choices. And then the Chateauma, which is like Automa, but Chateau, Chateauma, you get it. This is by John Albertson, Nick Shaw, and David Turksey. Um, I've heard of Nick Shaw and David Turksey many times. I'm not sure if I've heard of John Albertson, but I did get a chance to play this new solo mode this morning, and I will say that it is super, super fun. 
and super easy and really feels like Castles of Burgundy. So this is a, let's see, this is a card-based, well, it's sort of card-based. Basically what you're doing is you have two sort of missions, let's say. So you have two cards and each card has a certain amount of uh, hexes on it of specific colors. So it may have like, you know, one castle, one pasture, two buildings and a boat. Um, I know those aren't the correct names for the types of tiles, but that's what they look like. Um, And if you collect all of those, you will get a certain amount of points written on the bottom uh, based on your difficulty level, like easy, medium, hard. Um, There's also some of the tiles when covered up will cause the Automa to sell their goods. Um, But for the most part, it's a really interesting and smart way to play the game wherein you're still focused mainly on your turn, which is something that's important to me in an automa. This is different from just a solo game, but I'm talking about a, some, a, a way to play a game I like by myself without just a beat your score sort of uh, mode to it, but an actual what feels like an opponent. This does a good job with that. You have an idea what the, what the AI may want, but you never know exactly what it wants, so it creates a tension. Well, if I, you know, I better take that pasture now, it definitely, it's looking like it's got a good chance of taking it next time, but then it could also take this, which are the same things you're thinking about when you're playing a multiplayer game. Um, Really fast, really enjoyable, really easy to learn. You know, it took me one game to kind of get it down. By the end, I was like, oh, this is, I'll never need to look at the rule book again. Totally get it. Also comes with a nice little player aid that makes it really fast. You never have to open the rule book again once you played it once. Works with every expansion in the box as well. Um... Just like, I mean, they didn't have to do that. They didn't have to give you, they already had a solo mode before, which was not that interesting to me. I had tried it once. Um, it came with the last edition. Also comes with this one. So you have that old solo mode. You also have this new sort of fancy one. Um, comes with every expansion ever released for it. I don't know why I'm selling you on Castles of Burgundy, but I, I was just impressed. I, I genuinely also forgot that I backed this um, and was not excited. Was definitely thinking like, oh, I'm just going to move this on. I'll just keep my old version. I don't need this. And super impressed by it and like 100% excited to have it and love the solo mode that came with it. Can see myself playing it more, but also just like super down to just play a lot of Castles of Burgundy throughout this year because they have just nailed this edition and just done what a special edition should do, which is make a game you already loved easier to play and more enjoyable to play because it has a beautiful table presence now. And it sort of like feels like the edition it always deserved, whatever that means. All right, now it is time to pop the bubble of your anticipation and tell you what is the greatest solo mode I have ever played. Now, you may be thinking, what came out this year? What could it possibly be? It didn't come out this year. Nay, it did not come out last year. Well, actually, that's not true. The Automa did. The game itself, though, came out a minute ago came out a long time ago, and that game is one of my top 10 favorite games of all time. It is Terra Mystica. Terra Mystica, of course, the incredible game from the year of, you know I'm loading my screen and trying to see this right now. Um, Why are you doing this to me? Okay, the incredible game that came out in the year of our Lord 2012, thank you, designed by uh, Jens Drogmuller and Helgi Ostertag. Um, has been replaced for many by Gaia Project, was replaced for me by Gaia Project, and then re-replaced by itself 
a little while later after realizing that I actually do prefer Terra Mystica to Guy Project. Still have both. But they Capstone released a solo mode to this, designed by Linz J. Hutter, David Studley, and Morton Monrad Peterson with Mike Martins. That's a mouthful. But this came out about a year or two ago. I think it was only came out from Capstone Games. It is this small little box that you can get through Capstone Games, and it's just called the Terra Mystica Automa. And you know what? Wasn't that hyped on it. Didn't buy it right away. Waited like a year. Um, never even really heard anything that great about it. Maybe that's just my fault, but I, I don't remember really hearing anybody's review that it was great. But one day, I realized I didn't own Merchants of the Seas. Um, and while I was buying Merchants of the Seas, I saw the Automa Solo box was uh, 20 bucks. So I just threw it in with my order, thinking, I should try that. I have a solo mode podcast. I bet it's good. I found out it's the greatest solo mode ever made. Why? Well, it does my favorite thing solo modes do. It lets me play one of my favorite games in a way that feels like I'm 100% playing the game. And I can lose myself in my turns while also not feeling like the AI is a pushover. And the AI's turn takes me 10 seconds. I'm not exaggerating. The AI's turn is that fast. But the decisions that it feels it's making are rich and scary and full of tension. And when I flip that card over and see what it's going to do next, I have moments of exhalation. I have moments of feeling like my game is over. I have moments of, I have no idea how I'm going to dig myself out of this. I have moments of, oh my God, I dodged such a bullet. The same level of emotions I would have playing this game with two, three, even four or five other players. Like it genuinely mirrors a great, I, this is better than, I, I don't really, this isn't really a two player game for me. I really like playing Terra Mystica with the Automa, just me and the Automa. All right, let's talk about how it works. So it's not all that dissimilar from Gaia Projects. It just does a couple really cool things differently that um, feel really smart and interesting. So first of all, it comes with 12 different Automa factions. So I think why this works is Terra Mystica is, I'm not going to say a balanced game, but self-balanced by the players through auctions. So all the factions aren't balanced, but via the faction plus the uh, round scores, plus the pass tiles, plus the end game scoring, plus what other factions are in play makes a really rich algorithm of trying to figure out the value of a faction. If you tried to do that with the Automa, there's just no way it would work. The balance would all fall off. It would be very clear what, if you knew the game well enough, you'd always know what to pick. So they did something really smart and they gave you 13, sorry, 12 brand new factions. That's right. Factions that don't exist in the game. The Druids, the Simpletons, which I'm sure you can figure out are the beginner race, uh, all these different factions that have very simple focuses. So some are racy, meaning they try to uh, build really fast. Some are all about the cult track. Some are all about different things, b b things you can imagine. But it, it, it focuses, it feels like you're playing with a different style of player which is really smart. So you're not, you're not, you're not somebody, you know, you're not on the map and somebody's picked, uh, you know, chaos magicians. And now you're like, well, clearly I'm going to take, you know, mermaids and win. that's probably not a good matchup, but 
either way, that would not be interesting. It would just be too easy. You know you could defeat the AI. But what you're doing instead is playing against an archetype, a player archetype, the way somebody might play, a style. And that in and of itself is really challenging and also does what I think the best solo modes do, makes you a better player. Because you're not getting better playing giants against wizards. <laughs> wizards isn't even in the game. I was just trying to come up with one that didn't sound like a horrible example. You're not playing you know, matchups. You're playing your faction versus a player type. And yes, they're racing a score, but they're also racing it in certain ways that you have to remain nimble to. You can't just ignore the faction that you've chosen to play against, the player type that you're playing against, and win. You won't. You have to actually be like, all right, this is the type of player who plays like this. I have to adjust. And it has not only made me a better Terra Mystica player, it's made me better with each of the factions. Like, it's really fun to... Okay, so you really can see the strengths and weaknesses of different factions when they're playing up against different archetypes and figuring out how to win with this style of play. You know, do mermaids work well in, you know... uh, when they're sort of stuck on a section of the board fighting alone, like how do they get out of these situations? It All of it is feels like training for being a better Terra Mystica player while also being fully Terra Mystica, while also being a really sort of fun game of its own. So it's it's doing this balancing act of letting you fully feel like you're playing Terra Mystica. Okay, checks the box. You feel like you play Terra Mystica. It makes you better at the uh, multiplayer game. And it also gives you really great experience with the specific factions in Terra Mystica, which all come together to make you just a better player. And also just make you feel like you're playing the game, which is something you may want to often do. And I can finish an entire game of Terra Mystica solo in 30 to 45 minutes, which is also amazing because I only really get have to play my game. I just have to focus on my turns. The AI really runs itself. It'll take you one or two games to learn how to do it. It's super fast. They have a deck of Automa cards. And if you remember, if you're familiar with Gaia Project or even Pax Premier Second Edition, the two cards come together in a way where they create a box in the middle that's half one card, half the other. And one side is the actions, one side are the tiebreakers. And it's very simple. It tells you what to do. But there's only a few cards in the deck. So, you, you know, much like you, you know what actions you can take. And every round, you add in a new card from the deck so that the AI is taking more and more actions as the game goes on, just as you would in, in a normal game. Your first few rounds of Terra Mystic are just a few actions till you run out of resources. By the end of the game, you can go forever, it feels like. Totally exists in the game. Super fast. I love the different matchups. It's just, honestly, it, this is my ideal solo mode. This is what I look for in a solo mode. That's different from a solo game. So let's be clear about that. That's not, you know, that's not a game that's really best at solo. Would I rather play Terra Mystica with four people? Yeah. But is it like kind of close with solo a little bit now? Like it's that good. I really, really enjoy it. Is, do you, would you enjoy this if you don't like Terra Mystica? Of course not. Of course not. It's Terra Mystica. You're, you're literally, why I like this is because it pushes all the fluff away and lets me play what feels like high level Terra Mystica to me because I can, there's, there's great difficulty modifiers. You can make the game as hard as you want, as easy as you want. And for me, I, I slowly get better. Like at the beginning, I could only beat like the two star. Now I can easily beat the four star. I'm still working on five or whatever. Like it's, 
you really do get this experience of getting better at beating the AI. And I found that it made me a better player online as well on BGA, which is, you know, one of the main places people play Terra Mystica, um, including myself. And I, I, it's just been a great experience. It's what I look for in a solo mode. And it's like the reason I play solo mode games as opposed to video games for the most part is because I like playing board games. I like sitting at a table um, I like the games as they exist. I want to play these games more and I can't always get them to the table with other people because of my lifestyle and children and work. So it's wonderful to be able to play Terra Mystica. And yes, of course I can play it on BGA against real people. Um, but this is a great way to actually sit down with the game and play it and play it in 30 minutes. Terra Mystica on BGA takes two hours minimum. This is 30 minutes and you're playing a whole game and you're getting better. It's not, it doesn't replace one. No solo mode replaces the game to me. It's just, this isn't a new way to play it. And it's so enjoyable. And it's, it's, it does what I want out of a solo mode. It gets out of its own way without diminishing its competitiveness. And that to me is why Terra Mystica Automa is the best solo mode I've ever played. And that's pretty much it for this episode, folks. Um, how long have we been going here? About almost an hour. Um, I hope everybody has a lovely 4th of July. I'm going to stop my rambling and my breathiness now. We have talked about Mr. President. Very interesting. We've talked about Castles of Burgundy. Really impressive. We've talked about For Northwood, a trick-taking solo game. And we've talked about the greatest solo mode I've ever played, Terra Mystica Automa. I hope uh, we'll be back next week. I believe we will. I'm heading out of town for a while. Um, I imagine your wonderful... Uh, my wonderful co-hosts, Tom and Ben and Trey and the others will take this over um, as they are wont to do uh, and give you wonderful episodes. I will try to phone in or be involved, but I, I will definitely be out for about a month. And then we'll be back at the new year, uh, hopefully with more consistent episodes. It's summer. Thanks for understanding and uh, letting us, you know, not publish as often as we do. Um, but we'll be back soon. You've been listening to Game Brain. A board game podcast, blah, 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 blah. Thanks so much. Goodbye. Solo mode yeah. is the solo mode. Yeah. And you're all alone in solo mode. And you miss your group yeah. or you had some kids. Yeah. But you bought some games. Why did you buy those games? It's the solo mode. It's the solo mode. And you're all alone in the solo mode. And your group is gone or you had some kids. But you bought those games. Why did you buy those games? <laughs> Sorry.